do you have something in fields or not? I I think you you do. I think we've seen enough there. And yeah. you could roll the dice. You could pick a Caleb Williams if you have that number one overall pick. You could just take him. But you bring in Caleb Williams. He is on every commercial. He is on every billboard. He is your team. He he's every you're you're beholden to this player, and you're just hoping it works, right, Alyssa? You are tethering yourself to Caleb Williams, and this is the next five years, right? And Oh, by the way, as you were just mentioning, we don't know if he can even take a tough loss because so far he has shown some immaturity there in tough losses. Uh, and that there's just I don't I don't think that's being unfair. I just think that's what he's been showing us. You don't talk to the media. I mean, that is that. I mean, that's not being a good teammate. That's not being a good leader. Um, I think the USC coach has done that in the past. So maybe he's not getting great guidance there. But uh, yeah, Caleb Williams ducking out of the media after a loss to UCLA. Oh, bad luck. <laughs> Hey there, everyone, and welcome into the show, and happy Thanksgiving as well. Ryan O'Leary here playing host, joined by Bears Wire managing editor, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, I know you got to be ready for the holiday weekend here, coming off another just brutal Bears loss. This one this one takes the cake. We weren't really giving the Bears much of a shot in this one, uh, and then they pretty much dominate the football game for 55 of the 60 minutes or so, right? They just they really gave it to the Lions. They should have won this one, but here we are again, the Bears can't figure out a way to win the ball game. And that's that's where we're at heading in. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy uh, is definitely one way to put it. I mean, like you said, I, the Bears just keep finding new, depressing, historically bad ways of losing uh, football. And I mean, it's so it's sad because, you know, every year, you know, Bears fans look forward to this season. And, you know, especially this year where there was a lot of hope. And all of a sudden now here the Bears are three and eight staring down two top five draft picks. Uh, and just kind of praying at this point uh, that Matt Eberflus is no longer with the team beyond this season. So, I mean that that game against against the Lions, I I was surprised that the Bears were as competitive as they were. I mean, I knew getting Justin Fields back would be huge, and the way he played just really impressed. Uh, obviously, he didn't put up a lot of any, any big numbers in the passing game, but again, his dual threat ability on the ground. He's now put up a hundred plus rushing yards on the lions defense in three straight games. It's just, just really impressive from him. And for 55 minutes, this was a really well coached, really well executed game by the bears. But Ryan, as you know, as bears fans know, we, we know how this movie ends. Like we know that this is just what happens in the Matt Eberflus era, just historic. They had a, what was it? 40 minutes time of possession. A plus three turnover margin and they are the first team in nfl history or since 1932 i think it was to lose that game teams were 48 no before that now it's 48 and one it, it, it's just crazy that the bears keep finding new ways to lose under matt eberflus it, it's 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 really impressive um but definitely depressing as well yeah it is you were all over it too you were texting me before the lions <laughs> i think you texted me before they even scored their first touchdown to get to get within range, you're like, oh, here yeah. it comes, here it comes. Right, you could just feel it coming, and really, what you could feel coming, Alyssa, was the quick three and out. Right, is is that what you could feel coming as a Bears fan watching that one? Like, you just knew the Bears were in control. They had the lead. Uh, they had they had this like ridiculous drive. Right. Well, I'm just trying to look it up. 14 plays, 70 yards, 8:45 off the clock. They only got a field goal out of that. Uh, so I, to me, that's like that almost counts as a drive to nowhere when you drive the football that long, take that much time, but you only get a field goal. That's kind of 
you know, touchdown would have effectively ended the game. They get the field goal fine. You're up, you're still up by, you're up 26 14 at that point. Uh, and then the Lions get the ball back 4 15 left uh, and go down and score a touchdown in a minute 16, right? So you go down, you have this great drive, eight minutes, 45 seconds off the clock, and the Lions score in like the blink of an eye, right? And it's kind of negates all of that, just all that momentum, everything you just accomplished out the window, and you just knew right there, oh no the wheels are going to come off right here. This is the turning point in the game that the Bears are not going to be able to handle. And that's just what we've seen way too often, right? With the Bears and Eberflus and Getze. This is just this institution of the Bears. We've seen this too many times. A major turning point, fork in the road type of moment in the game. And you just know the Bears are going to sputter right there. And that's what happened. Yeah, we've been talking about this uh, since last year even, right, where the Bears do not know how to win. They don't know how to finish football games. They don't know how to close it out in the fourth quarter. And that happened again. I mean, unlike you, I felt encouraged by that drive. I know it only the, the one that lasted eight plus minutes. I know that they only got a field goal out of it, but they did what they needed to do. And that's take time off the clock. The Lions are now down two scores. There's four minutes left. If your defense can just do it's do what it what it had been doing the entire game, you should be good. But then again, I was like four minutes. I just I'm like if this is any other team but the Bears, I think that they win. But I'm like I know I, I know this team. I know this team under Matt Eberflus. They're a bad football team, and bad football teams find a way to lose. And that's exactly what they did. I mean. They scored what the 17 points in two minutes and 30 seconds. It's just incredible. I mean, it's just, it's just like a new low every time. This is, I don't know, this is one of Matt Eberflus's worst losses, I think. Probably his worst. I'm going to have to go back through all of them. There's so many uh, already. He's now, he's still winless, Ryan, against the NFC North 0 and 9. He's 6 and 6 and 22 as a head coach, still hasn't won consecutive games. It's just like, when do you just pull the plug? And I think at this point, it feels like they're probably going to ride out these last six games, but oh, it cannot come to an end soon enough. Oh, no, you pulled the plug on the Monday after the season. That's when you pull the yep. plug, Alyssa, right? Black that's Monday. <laughs> that's what's coming. And it's just, you know, that drive, totally get it. And they had one in the first half, too. 15 plays, 62 yard, yeah. yards, 736 off the clock. They got a field goal on that one, too. But, uh, you know, they've they had these long drives. I guess my only nitpick with this drive, and not not even to get to the three and out that took 26 seconds off the clock, the Lions used their timeouts, get the ball right back, go score the winning touchdown. Like we all saw that coming. Like the two runs right up the middle. I don't did just let jump in here, Alyssa. Did Fields have an option on the second play? Could he have run that if he wanted to? Is that what the call was, or was that just a straight Herbert run? Was that always going to Herbert? Yeah, no, that looked like uh, Luke Getzey called the same play twice. Oh, yeah, it did. That's what I was wondering. Consecutively, yeah. It's, and like you brought, you mentioned that drive. That's the thing, too. It, it always felt like we were going to get to that point, right? Because up until then, Matt Eberflus was calling a great game. Luke Getzey was calling a great game. The players were executing well. And then you get to that drive, and it's just boom, boom, two straight runs up the middle of Khalil Herbert, which amounts to nothing. And then Justin Fields throws a great ball. Tyler Scott, who just can't haul it in. I'm like, kid, you got to make that play. If he makes that play, game is over. Like that is, that should do it. Um, If you continue to run the ball, uh, obviously. But it's just, I don't know what happens at the end of games where, especially when you have the lead. It's one thing like where we've seen the Bears in a position where they're trailing late in the fourth quarter and they're unable to put together a drive to, 
to score any kind of points or come close to any kind of comeback. But now when you're up by two scores and you just can't close it out, you're like, when you play to lose, you're going to lose. And that just, it feels like that's what Matt Eberflus switches to. And this is a defensive minded head coach who was brought in. That's the thing that makes me so upset about everything is that when you have a head coach that is a defensive guy and his defense looks like that when it matters most, I mean, it's just inexcusable. And I mean, obviously you have to, you can point to execution. The players have to make plays out there, but at some point when this continues to happen, when it's a trend and not a fluke or a one-off that falls on the head, the head coach and his coaching staff. Oh, a hundred percent. I think this one is on Eberflus for sure. Um, it's on Getsy as well. I think <laughs> the try, the three and out punt that gave the Lions the ball back the second time after they scored in a minute sixteen there in the fourth quarter. I mean, we all we were all banging our heads against the wall there. Every Bears fan was. So we don't really have to break that one down too much. I look at that that field goal drive too, Alyssa. The Bears are up eleven points. Uh, or no, they're up nine points with the ball, right? So they're up two scores anyway with the ball in this moment, and they're going down and they do a fourteen play drive. But Fields only really this wasn't even a play because there was a holding penalty on the defense. Fields attempted one pass, but it wasn't really a play. So really, he didn't officially have a pass attempt on that 14 play drive. It was all straight runs or field scrambles, which is fine. I mean, like you said, they ran a bunch of time off the clock. They kicked a field goal. Um, So it worked out okay. But it's like just to me watching the game, I'm never going to come off this. At some point, you have to just go for the jugular. You have you're up nine points. Nobody expected you to be in this spot. You're on the road. You have the lines on their heels. Like, is there a play action? You got to play in your bag. Can you get them? Can you go go out there and score some points? They got they got to 26. But we said on the podcast last week, and I I believe this to my core. They had to get they were they were going to have to score 30 to win the game. That's what I thought coming in because I thought the Lions were shoe in to score 30. Now. It took a safety at the end for them to get there. I get it. The Bears played much better on defense than I expected coming in. But I thought the Bears were going to have to get to 30 to win this ballgame. And I think you almost have to coach that way, right? You, it just seems like when they have a lead in the fourth quarter, Alyssa, there is a clenching factor with this coaching staff. They just are like, oh, please, clock, run out. Can we hold on? They coach not to lose more than they coach to win. And I just think it's it's just from, I hate crossing sports and using these analogies, but it's I was a big my dad used to get all the pay-per-view boxing matches, like the Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, all that crap. I loved it. I loved it as a kid. In a boxing match, like late rounds, if you got an opponent that's kind of wobbling, you're going to throw haymakers. You're not going to throw jabs. You know, I just feel like, where's the, can we throw a haymaker? Can we just go win the game? Because the fields can do it. The Bears could do it. They have plenty of weapons on offense. But they just chose to just run the ball, run the clock. Let's get out of here. We got this. And, of course, it backfires because... We know what the Bears' defense is at the end of the day, right? So can, to me, it just shows a lack of faith in Fields, who I think you could make the argument, Alyssa, this is his best game as a starter for the Bears. Coming off that layoff, carrying the football 18 times like that, rushing for 100 yards, he had a great game. He hit the long touchdown pass to DJ Moore. I mean, he had a great game, and I just would love for them to give him a chance to go win it at the end and throw the haymaker instead of the jab. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and kind of quickly going back to what you're talking to about the conservative approach, this team is three and seven. What do you have to lose? At exactly. That point? You've already had so many horrific losses, uh, you know, that you already kind of, I feel like Eberfuss kind of knows the writings on the wall at this point. So this is when you should be going out and just kind of throwing everything that you got. 
right? And instead, it's the same thing. And like you said, the lack of trust in Justin Fields, I mean, I think has been a huge factor over these last couple of years. And even in this game where, again, he was having, like you said, coming back from uh, from that dislocated right thumb, hadn't played a game in over a month. And he comes out and he looks like that, throwing the football. Um, they, he, they didn't ask him to do a lot, right, in the passing game because we even talked about this too earlier in the season where if we're kind of talking about a great season for a dual threat quarterback like Justin Fields, um, it might not necessarily be pass, just passing yards. It's passing and rushing, right? Uh, because you can do both with him. So, I mean, we saw that. He was just like on a heater in this game. I think he was doing really well. And then you take the ball out of his hands when it matters most. It's that trust factor. Uh, like you said, they just didn't trust him. And at some point, you have to trust your quarterback. Your jobs are on the line. You're like he's your guy. You're going to either win with him or you're going to lose with him. And you really need to start start trusting him. Especially, it's not like he had done anything uh, in that game up to that point uh, to to tell you otherwise, right? He had taken care of the football. He was able to uh, to find success through the air and on the grounds. The running game outside of fields wasn't doing anything. So you really had to rely on him. And you still you still knew that the running game wasn't really getting anything against the top three. Lions run defense, and you still ran the same play with Khalil Herbert up the middle <laughs> twice, and then you had that third and long, uh, third and long pass, which again Fields did his job, but Tyler Scott has to make that catch. Yep. But it it it, did, it really did seem like that would be like a perfect place to really put it on Justin Fields' legs, right? Instead of using uh, Khalil Herbert up the middle twice. So I don't know, just disappointing, like you said, because I mean I still think that Fields' best game was the Broncos game earlier this year. Uh, and the way that ended was just just crushing. I just think he was just because it, like what he did in the passing game as well. But you do, I think you do have a have an argument there because you know Fields hadn't hadn't played in a month, and he comes off and looks like that because I think we both thought he was going to look a little bit rusty. Definitely, I did, and he didn't. Yep. Yeah, and he looked like reinvigorated in a way. Like, you know, he might like when he's up there talking, he's like, oh, no, I'm not really worried about my future. You know, it's, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But when you look, you look at him out there on the field, how he's playing, you know, the little dance that he did after he picked up that long run, um, how he was animated on the sideline, whether it was with Dan Feeney when, you know, they were trying because, you know, he hadn't taken a snap from Feeney at all after Lucas Patrick went down. And just he seemed like a different guy because he's so normally he's just so kind of cool, calm, collected, doesn't really show a lot of emotion. But like in this game, he was you can tell that like he feels like he's going to go out there and prove uh, try to prove everybody wrong over these last seven games and now the final six. And it, it was nice. It felt like a different Justin Field, someone who's fighting for his job and his future in Chicago. Yeah, that's it. It's a man who's ready to fight for his job. I think that that's exactly what I was going to say. You stole the words right out of my mouth, Alyssa. It was a, <laughs> you. You mentioned Tyler Scott, brutal drop. Uh, Tyler Scott. He was basically the player the Bears got for Robert Quinn. If you kind of go based on the draft pick they got and who they selected, so I, that kind of brings me to another point I wanted to throw out here, Alyssa. Before we get, we, we've got a uh, a Thanksgiving Day flavored six pack of questions here coming up, which is going to be fun. We're going to do that next, Ooh. but real quick before that. The more I think about this, the more I've kind of stewed on this game, the way Fields looked. But again, you know, this one's going to go back on this, his resume as another fourth quarter close loss that he couldn't finish, like whatever, right? It's going to go on his resume, fair or not. The more I think about this, I Fields has no chance with this new regime and never really did, Alyssa, because when you look back on the timeline, like, all right, 
let's get this straight here. So the Bears hire they hire a first-time head coach in Matt Eberflus who has a defensive background, and they do it basically at the same time they hire Ryan Poles. They were hired two days apart. I think Poles technically was hired ahead of Eberflus, but it was really it was really close proximity. It doesn't feel super functional, right? And we'll have more on that here coming up. But you hire a first-time defensive-minded head coach, then stand idly by as this defensive-minded head coach hires the offensive coordinator. He hires Luke Getze who I'm just going to guess has a vision that kind of lines up with what Eberflus wants to do. Let's run the ball. Let's protect the football. Let's play defense. You know, Eberflus, he's got his hits principle. He, is, he had a dominant defense when he was with the Indianapolis Colts, right, Alyssa? Like, he's going to think this way because that's how he's wired, and that's how defensive coaches are wired when they become head coaches. But he's a defensive guy, but the GM is retooling the defense. So we sit here, and he's the GM's trading Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, right, and taking a long-term approach to the key positions on defense. He's going draft. He's, you know, he's looking for deals. Like he's, it's not like he made like quick moves to like replenish this. This is like a, we're in a rebuilding process. He's adding on offense though. At the same time, he's adding, you know, he's picking Darnell Wright instead of Jalen Carter. He's get, going to get DJ Moore. He's making a move for Chase Claypool that blew up in his face, but still it was, he was making a move, right? You're adding all these pieces on offense, but you've got a first time defensive-minded head coach who's kind of figuring out what he's doing. Meanwhile, he's got a defense that is completely he he can't really win with right now. And he picked his own offensive coordinator who has a conservative mindset, it seems anyway, Luke Getze, right? I wouldn't call Luke Getze the most aggressive guy. And when you put all this together, Alyssa, it feels a little dysfunctional. And I wonder how Justin Fields has any freaking chance here, right? So it, this is just pulling me more to the rooting for Fields to stick here in Chicago. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like what Fields has accomplished is actually kind of applaudable. When you go, go back through the timeline and see all the crap that has happened and he's had to deal with. <laughs> I don't know if that little rant made any sense. I'm still kind of, again, that's still in the, in the hot take uh, percolator. It's still trying to, I'm trying to figure that take out. But I just think when you kind of go back and feel your way through the timeline of how this all broke down, it, it's a little sticky. It's a little sticky and it feels like, I, I don't know if Fields like, was in a win-win situation at all. I think he, he was in a position to fail here, here, and that actually makes what he's doing uh, kind of admirable. And I, it makes me want to stick with him longer, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think like when you were you were talking about that, it kind of brought me back to last week when we were talking about the timeline and how the GM and the head coach and the quarterback, uh, in recent memory uh, and Bears' recent memory, have never kind of been on that same timeline. So, for example, I mean, even like. Uh, we had Mitch Trubisky was, you know, already drafted. And then Matt Nagy comes in the year after, right after uh, John Fox is fired. Uh, and then, so then jo- uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace get to draft Justin Fields and they're fired the next year. So then now here come Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and they're stuck with Justin Fields. And it just kind of feels like the same thing. So they don't have their guy. And like, I don't know. It's, I, it's like, we want them to all be on that same schedule on that same timeline but like, I mean, I guess my point is I agree with you. I think that it, it kind of does make you root for Justin Fields more when you see just everything that he's been through. He's had to work with both Matt Nagy and Matt Eberflus, who are two of the worst Bears coaches in history. <laughs> um, and it sucks that they, they have come back to back. And we should have known, right? We should have known when the Bears went out and fired a Ryan and a Matt and they hired a Ryan and a Matt. Like, I mean, that should have been a red flag. I mean... It kind of we were like I think we shook it off at the time. We're like, no, let's let's you know let's be optimistic for the future. And it, I mean, right now at least as far as the head coach is concerned, I mean, it it hasn't panned out 
hasn't panned out well, but I mean, I, I would still, cause we're going to have this conversation as we continue to go through these final six games and into the off season, even I, I would still kind of lean towards, you know, sticking with Justin Fields uh, beyond this year, you have him for another year. And then you have that fifth year option that you can choose to exercise this off season as well. So when you look at like the draft class too, Caleb Williams, we were talking about this before the show where there's just so many red flags from him from a character standpoint, because the talent is there, right? Mute the ceiling. He could be a really special talent in the NFL, but all the little things that we're seeing like this week, it was refusing to talk to the media after a rough game, Terrible after look. that rough loss against yep. UCLA. Terrible. And how many times have we seen Justin Fields get up in front of bears media and take it. And when it's not even his fault, shoulder that loss and take it like a leader. That's what you're supposed to do. And so I, I think Caleb Williams is a hell of a talent. I really do. I'm really iffy on him. I mean, Drake may there. I mean, there's still a little uneasiness there as well, depending on, you know, from, from who you talk to. I think if I had to pick between the two, I, it's hard because, you know, Caleb Williams is such a special talent. I feel like I might lean slightly more in his direction. Um, and yeah, we do have a long, you know, draft process to go out, you know, that's going to happen and we'll have to see if the bears have the first pick, but I don't know. just, I feel like Justin Fields, like how, how do you not go with Justin Fields? I mean, I know because Caleb Williams, if you have the number one pick, it's kind of like, look at, I get it. Look at the talent that he could, the potential, the ceiling, I get it. But like, there's no such thing as a sure thing. We're seeing that with the Panthers with Bryce Young and how they pass, pass on CJ Stroud. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be something to think about. <laughs> I mean, we'll be talking about this forever, right? It's going to be so fun. But yeah, I mean, do you have something in fields or not? I I think you you do. I think we've seen enough there. And yeah. you could roll the dice. You could pick a Caleb Williams if you have that number one overall pick. You could just take him. But you bring in Caleb Williams. He is on every commercial. He is on every billboard. He is your team. He, he's every, you're, you're beholden to this player. And you're just hoping it works, right, Alyssa? You are tethering yourself to Caleb Williams, and this is the next five years, right? And oh, by the way, as you were just mentioning, we don't know if he can even take a tough loss because so far he has shown some immaturity there and tough losses. Uh, and that there's just I don't I don't think that's being unfair. I just think that's what he's been showing us. You don't talk to the media. I mean, that is that. I mean, that's not being a good teammate. That's not being a good leader. Um, I think the USC coach has done that in the past, so maybe he's not getting great guidance there. But uh, yeah, Caleb Williams ducking out of the media after a loss to UCLA. Oh, bad luck. Bad luck. Makes me lean Justin Another. Fields. Yeah. Do I want Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Justin Fields? I think I would take the latter. I think I'd stick with Fields right now. But long way to go till we get there, Alyssa. Uh, we mentioned the six-pack of questions. That's coming up next. First, Week 12 Fantasy Advice from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for Week number 12. Quarterback Gardner Minshew, Indianapolis Colts versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming out of the bye week, Minshew will be at home taking on a Bucks defense that has allowed the fourth most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks on the season. No team has given up more per game in the last five weeks. Every quarterback but rookie Will Levis has posted at least 250 yards and 22 fantasy points in that time. Three of those guys went for 30 or more points, and Josh Allen is the only name on that list anyone drafted as a quarterback won. Minshew should be a rock-solid starter this week. Running back Isaiah Pacheco, Kansas City Chiefs at Las Vegas Raiders. In the last five games, the Raiders have allowed 594 rushing yards and five ground scores, giving up five catches for 42.8 yards through the air in that time. 
One of those 25 receptions found the end zone as well. Pacheco's opponent has allowed 12 double-digit PPR producers on the year, and he is poised to make it a baker's dozen. Wide receiver Brandon Cooks, Dallas Cowboys versus Washington Commanders. Fresh off his best game in years, Cooks wasn't needed versus Carolina as the Cowboys scored 33 points with him catching just three passes for 42 yards. He has been a little erratic and reliant on finding the end zone in the past five weeks, but three of his outings in that time have gone for at least 14 PPR points. He should feast on a Washington defense that has surrendered a touchdown per game on average in the last five contests. And 16 wide receivers have produced double-digit fantasy points, with nine of them going for at least 18. Tight end Kate Auden, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Indianapolis Colts. With at least four receptions in four of his last five games, Auden is a solid play against the Colts, who have given up 16.2 PPR points per game to tight ends over the last five weeks. For context, in that time, this matchup is 30.1% easier than the league average. Give him a look if you have an underperforming starter or an injured star. Happy Thanksgiving from everyone at The Huddle. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back with a six-pack of questions in honor of Thanksgiving weekend, Alyssa. Here's question number one. Give us the Bears player fans will be most thankful for over these final six weeks of the season. What do you think? Oh, the Bears player. Um, I want to say Justin Fields, but it, it kind of depends on, I don't know, the future. I'm kind of stuck now between, like, I, I at first I was going to go DJ more just because I think that you know, he's just a dynamic playmaker on this team. There's Montez Sweat, who can, you know, can be your uh, pass rusher for obviously it's going to be your franchise pass rusher. Uh, you know what? I'm going to, you know what? I, I changed my mind. I'm going with Justin Fields because he is going to be playing for his life at this point. We're going to hopefully see him really rise to rise to the occasion, even if they don't necessarily win a lot of these games, because there are some tough matchups coming up. Um that I do think that he's going to go out and he's going to show up and he has nothing to lose at this point. I think that he's going to do everything to remind us of the, of the potential franchise quarterback that he can be for this team. So yeah, I think I'm going to go Justin Fields on that one. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I put. I said, I think it'll be Montez sweat because when he's just making a difference, the defense has changed since he just dropping that one singular player onto the field. And it's been remarkable how much better he's made the whole unit. Uh, I think it's going to be Montez sweat, but I hope it's fields because I think, yeah. I just keep thinking that the best case scenario is that they don't give up on the player, continue to build the roster, especially on defense. You keep fields, but you still draft a quarterback. I still want them to draft a quarterback at some point in the draft. I just don't think I need it to be Caleb Williams or Drake May or one of these top guys at the, at the very top. I just don't think we need that. I'd Give me Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe trade one of those picks. You know what I mean? Like I'm kind of in on that kind of thing and let's build. But uh, that's just me. Question number two, Alyssa, where do you rank Thanksgiving on the list of major holidays each year? Oh man, I love Thanksgiving. Um, I am a Christmas season girl through and through. I'm actually in the midst of decorating the house, and I just love Christmas season as a whole. But I'm I'm consider I'm counting it as a season uh, instead of just the specific holiday. Um, <laughs> Does that so season start I, in November for you, or is the tree already up? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it, it starts before Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, <laughs> like that. Like I feel like when it like after Halloween, like. That's when like the Christmas channels are coming on Sirius XM and I start listening to those. But I did wait a, a couple of weeks to start decorating. But yeah, it, I feel like Christmas season and winter in general is just really nice. But like in terms of holidays, I mean, Thanksgiving is probably is going to rank up there. Probably number one, I think for me, just you have food, family and football. I mean, what else do you need? I'm not a big Christmas guy personally, Alyssa. I'm just because 
the whole gift giving, like I'm not a big, like receiving gifts, giving gift kind of guy. Like I'm already freaking out about having to go out and buy all the presents for people. It's like, oh God, <laughs> that just stresses me the hell out. So I'm not a big Christmas guy. Fourth of July. Um, yeah. Everyone firing off fireworks all week, you know, for like midnight, 1 a.m., 3 a.m., waking up my kid, making my dog scared. Screw all you. I can't stand fourth of July, honestly. Uh, New Year's always a letdown for me. All, you know, I've always tried to make, even when I was younger, you make New Year's the big, the big day. Now it's always a letdown. So, uh, Thanksgiving, big Thanksgiving guy, mostly because nobody works that week. Really? You know, even by Wednesday, everyone's like, yeah, sure. We're pretending to work. We're quote unquote working, right? Nobody's working (laughs) Wednesday. And you usually always have that Friday off. You can kind of plan. You're always doing something with family, maybe traveling a little bit that weekend. I'm a Thanksgiving guy through and through. That's number one for me. Uh, Question number three, we have a Black Friday football game this year, Alyssa, right? So along with the two traditional Thanksgiving Day games and another game on Thursday night, we have Friday football. It's Jets Miami. It's going to be at 2 p.m. Central Time. So that is what? 3 p.m. Eastern? Uh, Right in the middle of the day. What do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down on Black Friday football? I'm going to give it a thumbs up because, I mean, I think more football is always good. <laughs> so, and with Black Friday, I've become more of a Cyber Monday girl myself. So I do most of my shopping on Monday, online, not having to go to the stores and just kind of brace that traffic and all the people there. It's just too much. So I am a big thumbs up for Black Friday football. I would rather be watching football than shopping on that day. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere near stores on Black Friday. I agree with you 100%. Usually all these sales are popping up earlier in the week too, right? The sales are coming up by that weekend before. Uh, but, you know, I just don't, I don't know if I love the time spot. That that 3 p.m. Eastern spot's like, it's right in the middle of the day. Uh, you know, your kids are home from school and daycare. So I'm going to be entertaining my two-year-old personally. I'm not going to be able to tune into this game. I'd, I'd rather be later in the night. So... I'm not going to be able to. Brian, it should be nap time. I, nap time. Yeah, you're right. Can I get him down for that? Yeah, I might yeah. be able to catch the first half, but. Just take, take, take Jules you know, in the car for a little bit and just, you know, <laughs> let him go to sleep. Lull him to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'll have to get back to you. I don't, I, I think I'm thumbs down. I don't, I don't know if I need a Friday afternoon game. It's just kind of weird to me, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll, if the Jets get their butts kicked, I love to see the Jets lose. So if the Jets get their asses kicked to Miami, then maybe I'll be all for it. <laughs> Uh, what do you mean if? That's yeah, definitely going to happen. Seriously. Tim Boyle is starting a quarterback, shit like that. Tim uh, Boyle, Lord. Question number four. What team will be the easiest for you to root for come playoff time, do you think? Oh, okay. This is going to come off like really bad considering just the timing of everything. I have to say the Lions. Uh, <laughs> yep. They're just, I mean, I've been following the Lions uh, my entire life. I have a lot of family that are Lions fans. Uh, thankfully, I guess my dad decided to be a Bears fan. There's been a little less pain and at least they've won a Super Bowl and made a Super Bowl since I've been following them. So, uh, but the Lions, what's not to love about this team? Just they have been, I mean, Detroit sports in general, it's just been really brutal coming as a Detroit sports fan. Um, it, it's been bad. And the Lions, especially, they've just been just atrocious. And to kind of see the turnaround that Dan Campbell has this team on, they're a fun team to watch. Dan Campbell is my favorite coach in the league. He's just crazy. And I love that. I love that his players just play their asses off for him. And I mean, I love Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, some of the players on this team, what what Ben Johnson has done with Jared Goff. I mean, that that Lions run game is no joke. Uh, watching what they are able to do. Um, Jameson Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, my fantasy guy. I need him to, to score lots of points on, on Thanksgiving. He's by awesome. Um, yeah, he, he'll do that for you. <laughs> yeah, he will. Um, 
but yeah, they're just, they're really easy to root for. I have a lot of family that are Lions fans. Um, they're not a team that I've, I've like ever like hated. I mean, it's always been like, hate the Packers, just like the Vikings and eh, the Lions, you know, I'll root for them when they're not playing the Bears. Um, so yeah, I'd have to say them. I mean, that, that the team in general, there, there's, there's nothing, there's like no bad aura around them at all. They just like, they are, they are a bad football team that is now good and one of the best in the league. I mean, they did, I think they overlooked this bears game last week a little bit. And I know division games are a little different as well, but I mean, the lions just as an entire team, especially getting ready to play the Packers too this week. I mean, it's hard not to root for them. I know you'll be rooting for them along with Bears fans on Thanksgiving. No doubt, no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, for me, I think the Lions are a great answer. Uh, you know, Dan Campbell being you know a guy that's easy to root for. The Lions. I think another team that's easy to root for is a team that the Bears are playing on Monday night this week. Uh, the Vikings. I mean, they lose Justin Jefferson, best receiver in football, and then what do they do, Alyssa? They win five straight, right? Uh, two of those wins led by Joshua Dobbs at quarterback, who I think is just like an awesome story, and we'll talk about him more here coming up, but. Uh, you know, I know they lost to the Broncos here, but that was a kind of an entertaining, slightly ugly game <laughs> the other night. But uh, uh, you look at the Vikings. I know they're a division rival of the Bears as well. But who do you hate? Who do you hate on that roster? I, I just don't, I don't know. There's like who has the punchable face on the Vikings, right? I I would struggle to answer that question. I don't know if I hate it, a, a player on the Vikings. They haven't. They've never won anything. They've been the Super Bowls. They've never won one. So there's like that that. Romantic, the romantic chase of a Super Bowl title for the Vikings and their fans. I now live in Minneapolis, so maybe I'm being a quote unquote homer now that I just moved here. But uh, yeah, I think for me, I'm I'm going to be pulling for the the Vikings by the time the playoffs start. I think they're kind of a fun team, but we'll t- we'll talk more about them. Uh, question number five, Alyssa, what are your thoughts on Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell? And did the Bears hiring committee make a mistake not waiting on coaches like O'Connell and maybe even a Mike McDaniel? Who at the time were still in the playoffs and not eligible uh, to, you know, interview and hire when the Bears did make the decision on Eberflus? What do you think? Yeah, no, they they definitely dropped the ball there. I think by interviewing uh, all three, I mean, they did hire Brian. I'm not hire. I'm sorry. They did interview Brian Flores, but they didn't interview Kevin O'Connell or Mike McDaniel. I think it had to do with the timeline of everything, and there was like that, that entire committee led by George McCaskey. Uh, where it really felt like, because like like you mentioned, it was Ryan Poles was hired two days later. It was Matt Eberflus. Poles literally got three guys to choose from. Uh, it was Eberflus, um, Dan Quinn, and Jim uh, Jim Caldwell. So like those were the three. And I mean, y- y- it sucks because you look at what the Vi- like what Kevin O'Connell is doing with the Vikings. You look at what Mike McDaniel is doing with the Dolphins. Two offensive minded guys that that are good coaches and the impact that they're having on those offenses and their respective quarterbacks. I mean, look at what Josh Dobbs is doing in Minnesota. I mean, he was, he had, he was decent, you know, in Arizona in place of Kyler Murray there, but I mean, Josh Dobbs has just really come alive. I think too, especially not having a lot of experience in this offense already. You've seen kind of what Kevin O'Connell was able to do with him in such a short time. And it's really frustrating when you look back at that because there are some good offensive-minded head coaches. We talked about this during the during the head coaching uh, hiring process. We knew they weren't going to hire an offensive-minded head coach because Matt Matt Nagy had been one, and it kind of seems like they flip flop. So after Matt Eberflus is fired, get good news they're going to hire uh, an offensive-minded head coach this time, right? Because they can't go defense back to back. So yeah, I definitely think they dropped the ball there because there was some good head coaches, but they, you know, back 
I think the I think the head coaching rules are going to change this year where you won't be able to interview guys in person until the divisional round of the playoffs. But at the time, the Bears really wanted to get the GM hired, get the head coach hired. And I think they the expedited process uh, definitely hurt them in the long run because there were definitely some top contenders that they really didn't get an opportunity to interview. And I think obviously would have done a much better job than what Matt Eberflus is doing and probably would have been what is best for Justin Fields. Yep, I agree 100%. O'Connell, 19-10 and 10 overall with a playoff berth in his one-and-a-half season. Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 19-10 and 10 overall with a playoff berth in his one-and-a-half seasons. And I don't know, what, what would have made more sense? A guy like O'Connell, a guy like Mike McDaniel, or even go down the list, a guy like you interviewed... You interviewed Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Now you you interviewed uh, you know Brian Dayball. You know you you interviewed some other offensive guys. What would have made sense? Hiring an offensive minded coach who could come in and install his own system, and then you figure out the defensive side. Let re- Ryan Poles retool that whole thing, or you bring in Eberflus. Let him try to figure out the offense, which he probably can't do, and while retooling the defense, I just that doesn't make any sense to me. I just think again that goes back to where I was trying to get with my little rant earlier, Alyssa. I just think they put Fields in an impossible situation and maybe Eberflus as well. Um, which brings us to question number six. Is Matt Eberflus, Alyssa, the worst head coach in Bears history? I know you're way down on a certain Bears coach that you bring up often on this show, but is Eberflus the worst in Bears history? His winning percentage would tell you yes. Uh, I would, you know, he would be the worst if not for one Mark Tressman. Um, <laughs> my goodness, just... The 2013-2014 era of Bears football, I try to black that out. It was it was really bad. When, but when you you compare like the the records and some of these massive losses um that you know both Trustman and Eberflus had, it's very similar. Um, but I mean Trustman is just I still think Trustman is the worst. He's just the locker room was turning against each other. He was just a clown. Uh, it was laughable. Um, it, it was really bad. Fired after two years. Definitely seems like Matt Eberflus is going to be fired after his second year should mm-hmm. be. You look at, but still, Matt Eberflus has the worst winning percentage in Bears history of all coaches, including Mark Trussman. Um, So I don't know. It, it's, I still have to, I say Trussman still kind of uh, takes the cake on this one, but Matt Eberflus, it, he's a close second. <laughs> yeah, it's six and 22, Alyssa. Six and twenty-two for oh and nine against the NFC North. Oh God, they've never won a division game. Is that right? Holy they haven't. They haven't won a division game. They haven't won back-to-back games under him. And even when the Lions are just no winning streaks at all, the Lions are just <laughs> handing it to you. They're like, we don't want to win this game. We're not ready to go. You still can't get it. It's just it's so bad. But yeah, six and twenty-two as head coach of the Bears. Uh, you could make the case. Don't forget. That, go ahead. Don't forget the the franchise worst fourteen game losing streak and yep. the franchise worst ten game home losing streak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just they they did a great job bringing him in. This is this definitely worked out for the Bears. Uh all right, so that was fun. There there's the six pack. Uh we'll wrap it up here, Alyssa. We got a game on Monday night. Bears Vikings. The Vikings are favored by three and a half in this one. Uh the spread is interesting. We talked last week about that Lions game. The Bears were like ten and a half point underdogs when we were talking. And by the time the game kicked off, that line moved all the way to seven and a half. So I actually I think the line over to ten and a half. Fields was announced as a starter, or he was trending towards starting. The line went down to nine and a half, and then it went down an extra two points by kickoff. There was something in the sports betting community that loved the Bears going in. We didn't see it on the podcast, but we were saying we were we were kind of chatting before the game, like, "Oh man, look at the line moving towards the Bears." So the Bears, you know, some 
people were seeing something in them. Maybe it was the the fact that the Lions can't stop a rushing quarterback. It, it could have been that simple, right? Uh, but what's fascinating here in this game against the Vikings to me is that I think the Vikings are a pretty good team. They're an interesting story with Dobbs at quarterback. I think when you watch that game against the Broncos on Sunday night, Dobbs is a guy that the Broncos sent a lot of pressure at him, and he's not a guy like Russell Wilson or, uh, you know, who's another crap quarterback that we faced this year? Uh, you know, a guy that just bails, Derek Carr, you know, a quarterback that just bails on a play as soon as pressure's in his face. He's like, ah, throw it. You know what I mean? Like, that's totally Russell Wilson. That's totally Derek Carr. Josh Dobbs isn't that guy, right? Jo- you can blitz him, and he is going to stand in there, look downfield, move around, shake free, wiggle around, extend the play. He reminds me of the player that was the quarterback when he got drafted by the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger a little bit, and how he holds the ball. So I think that's really, I'm fascinated to see how Eberflus plans to attack Dobbs. Does he plan to be aggressive and try to throw guys at him? Or does he try to play back? Like That to me is, I think, the chess match. Uh, Because Dobbs, they were highlighting it on that broadcast uh, with the Broncos, he does hold the football. He does extend plays. He's not going to give up and just check it down. He's going to look to make plays on you. And, oh, they could get Justin Jefferson back as well. So this is an interesting little spot for the Bears coming off a, a good performance against the Lions. Who do you got? Bears? Three and a half point dogs on the road in Minnesota. Yeah, this is going to be the second time that the Bears are playing the Vikings in what, like six weeks or whatnot. And a lot has changed since then. You know, the, the Vikings were what? one and four at that point before they played the bears and that bears game just kind of yep. jump started their five game winning streak. Now they, they lost uh, uh to Sunday night against Denver, but this is a really good football team. Hasn't really missed a beat since Kirk cousins went down with that in uh, season ending Achilles injury. So, I mean, this is a game that scares me, especially because that last matchup, they didn't face Justin Jefferson. This is a game in Minnesota. It's on Monday night football uh, the the Vikings are rolling. They got to be pissed off right now after losing that game. They're in the playoff hunt. Justin Jefferson's coming back, and this is also the last team that Justin Fields faced. Uh, what you know? Actually, this is a team. No, this is the team he faced when he got hurt because they just blitzed the heck out of him, and they're going to do the same yep. exact thing. That's Brian Flores. Um, yep. It's going to be rough. Like I'm not looking forward to this one at all. Remember, we were joking that you should go to this game because I... you're not living. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. In Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah. I do not have tickets right now, but I could look. (laughs) We might need you there. Just, you know, a a little, a little help because, oh my goodness, the Bears are going to need it. Yeah. This, this game makes me nervous. The line was what, three and a half? And I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that's really generous. (laughs) I thought that this should probably be at least six, I would say. Really? Six, six and a half. Just, I mean, you look at just, I think the factors, uh, you look at, I mean, the last game, yeah, they won by six points. It was, in Chicago, I understand why they started there, but the you know the Bears are the same team that they were. The Vikings are not. I think they're they're definitely much better. They're contending for a playoff spot at this point, a wild card, maybe even an NFC North title. But I think the Lions have this one locked down. But yeah, this game makes me much more nervous than the first one did, um, especially with Justin Jefferson coming back. But I mean, it'll be interesting because I thought the Bears were just going to get annihilated by the Lions, and they made that a competitive game. So we shall see. But I think it's ultimately going to come down to how do the Bears, because they know what's coming. They know what the Vikings defense is going to do. They're going to blitz the heck out of fields. How, like, what is Luke Getzey going to do? How do you, what are you going to game plan for? How are you, how are you going to handle that? Uh, and how's Justin Fields going to handle that? So, I mean, this is definitely going to be 
an interesting game. I want to apologize to everyone that are not Bears or Vikings fans for having to watch this on primetime. But Ryan, it is the last primetime game. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm actually looking forward to this one. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this one on Monday night. But I agree with you. I'm on the Vikings here. I, I think a, a big a big thing I I look at is how how can you deal with Fields running? It's he's such an X factor. If he's gonna carry the football like he did against the Lions, then he's that's just an X factor. You can't like, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum fields is special and if the bears are going to let him scramble like that and not try to hold him back and make him stand in the pocket then then that could change things but you look back russell wilson can move around and scramble too right actually i think he prefers that rather than throwing the football this year for some reason he's just holy crap russell wilson the dinking dinking dunking and scrambling is like oh tough to watch but uh two carries one yard against the vikings right and you could almost see it in that game i watched that whole game Alyssa, and you could see it when Russell would kind of move out of the pocket. The the Viking just had a guy standing right there and would just run straight at him. Uh, it, it's just like they were ready for it or prepared for it. And that's Brian Flores. He's a really good coordinator. And it's not surprising to me that I went back. I've had an article you posted on Bears Wire on like in January of 2022. It was ranking all the, or it wasn't ranking, but it had a poll up there about all the coaches that the Bears had interviewed for their head coach. And aside from other uh, so a coach that they hadn't interviewed yet, which was probably Harbaugh, in my guess. Other was the top choice at 35%, but Brian Flores was the number two choice by your readers on that day. 23% like Brian Flores as the head coach, and I am I think I, I like that guy too. He, he's I've always liked him. He was a former defensive coordinator for the Patriots before he headed to Miami, and uh, you know he called some great defenses for the Patriots, and uh, I think, yeah, I think the Vikings are hot. I think they're they they're probably a better football team just personnel wise, and I think they got a better coach. So I, I think, and then you you factor in the fact that it's Monday night in Minnesota; those guys are playing for a playoff spot. Um, I, it, it feels like a tough spot for the Bears, doesn't it? I, I think I'm on the Viking side of it too. I think I think it'll be close. I, I don't think I don't think the Vikings going to run away with the game or anything. I think I wouldn't be surprised if this is like another squirmer in the fourth quarter and. We're texting being like, oh, we know what's coming next. You know what I mean? Like that kind of game. But I think in the end, the Vikings figure out a way to win it. Uh, do they win it by six, seven? I don't know. I think the Bears could hang around that much. But can they cover the three and a half? I would probably lean Vikings. Yeah, I, I would lean Vikings there. But I think it'll be a ball game. I, I hope you're right. I mean, I'm I'm all for competitive games because, I mean, we're now in the last we're coming up the last six games of the season playoffs have been an afterthought for the last two months and now it's all about the development of some of these younger players and seeing what you got and Justin Fields showing out I think if he can come out and have a really strong game and rebound after that poor performance that he had through the first three quarters before he got he had gotten hurt that I mean that's something to build on right and that's something for Bears fans to look forward to and it makes things even more difficult on Ryan Poles who has to do a lot of evaluation this offseason so I mean I'll take a competitive game where we where we really get to see some of these players who's going to step up, you know, who's stepping up in the, in, in these games to keep things close uh, on offense and defense. So, I mean, I think it's going to be I, I really I really hope it'll be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I just think that I mean, I'm just worried about Justin Fields in this game, <laughs> I think, yeah. which rightfully so, like because Brian Flores is just going to bring the house uh, most of the time at him. So it worked last time. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Yep. So that there that is uh, a fun show this week. Alyssa, happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope you have a good holiday weekend. Thank you so much. You too. And oh, just in case, Bears fans, um, 
we have a little something that we're working on at Bears Wire just in time for Thanksgiving. Um, myself and Brendan Sugar, we're going to work on this. We're ranking the worst Bears losses in recent history. Um, so we're not going too far back. I think we cut off at about 2013, so like the last 10 years. And it is, it's, it's something we're putting it together and it is, it's bringing up a lot of bad memories. I'm reliving some of these and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's, has only been 10 years. And we have like a list that went so much longer. We had to, we're like, we had to cut it off somewhere. <laughs> we're like, we learned like, let's do fit work. At first it's like 10. I'm like, eh, let's add, let's add five. So we're, we, we cut off at 15, but yeah, that's something to that. <laughs> I guess happy Thanksgiving uh, from us at Bears Wire to you. Yeah, if you if you don't have a turkey leg to chew on, just chew on that. That'll be some good eating right there. That article, I'm looking forward to that. I have, I have a feeling a, a recent game might make that list. <laughs> a certain game that was played in Detroit, so we'll have to. You might be right. Yeah, we'll have we'll have to see. But uh, for Alyssa and to all our listeners, uh, happy Thanksgiving! Thanks for joining us as always. We always appreciate you. Subscribe and leave that five star review if you could. Tell a friend. That's how you could support us. And uh, we'll be back next week with more Bears Vikings. Looking forward to it. We'll catch you then. Happy Thanksgiving and as always, bear down.